You're listening to Potato Candy Network. Hello and welcome back to Blank Monster, a bi-weekly segment here at Blank Scenario. In these episodes, I, your lovely host Marie, bring to you two or three monsters in the monster manual that I think are underused or overused, and some unique ideas on how to use them. We are working through the 5th edition monster manual, and this week we are on to the letter F. Our first creature is finally back to a lawful good. <laughs> We've been doing a lot of monstrous races. Well, I guess last week technically Empyrean is kind of lawful good. But we did talk a lot about them being evil, so eh, we're back to normal good now. <laughs> and this creature is the Flump. You probably have heard of this a little bit. It it almost comes across as the joke creature, which is very weird because it's a very simple creature, but it should be very powerful. However, looking at the stats for this creature, it only has seven hit points. And even for those of you not well-versed in d monsters you probably realize that's not very many hit points. Just about anything could kill the sucker. So it's not a very powerful creature with combat. But it does have a lot of really cool stuff with it. So as I said, it is a lawful good creature. It is highly intelligent, but with only seven hit points, it is very, very weak. So it's not going to be one you can really use to mess with combat. Um, these creatures communicate telepathically. They don't actually speak. They they look kind of like a jellyfish, but it, take a football, put a bunch of extra jellyfish tentacles on it, and then give it two really long eye stalks. That's what it looks like. It's It's really weird. They are very smart, very wise. They have a lot of knowledge on religion, philosophy, mathematics, anything under the sun. So these are beings that are very intelligent rather than strong. In order to kind of communicate... Not only do they communicate telepathically, they also glow. So depending upon their mood, they glow based upon that. So what you see is what you get. They're also very sensitive to emotional states around them. So because they're good, they will seek out good creatures. And if there's a bad creature around, they'll actually try to get away because they don't want to deal with that. The reason for that is they feed on mental energy. Now, you might be thinking, how is this a good creature? They only take what they need. In fact, they can live nearby a colony of psionic creatures and those psionic beings will never know this flump was in the area because they take very little in order to survive and they don't try to just destroy anything. Consuming this energy does allow them to get the thoughts of the creatures, which even though this is how they feed, a lot of psionic creatures are evil, such as mind flayers. So it actually kind of causes them to be a little disturbed by what they're getting. However... This is really good roleplay because what this means is these flumps want to eradicate these psionic creatures. Even though it's their food source, they are a lawful good being. They don't want this evil in the world. They will gladly tell adventurers about anything in the area that they need to be worried about, that they can go fight and kill. They are glad to pass the knowledge on to good-hearted adventurers. Key words there. <laughs> they do have some defense. Because of their telepathy abilities, they are not able to be surprised. So you can't just sneak up on them. And they have a stench spray. So rather than an actual attack, they have something that causes a diversion or deterrent, so to speak, that allows them to get away if needed. 
they do kind of live within a society. There's no hierarchy because each form just finds its role and does it. Again, there's helpathic. They're good beings. They're not trying to take more than they need. So they very quickly fall into a routine of here's my role within my society and everyone's happy. So now for a couple of scenario ideas for these creatures. The first is that your party is wandering um, between adventures and they begin to have a dream about this greater evil in the mountain and they are feeling compelled to go and take care of it. There's a voice that's telling them that they have been chosen, they need to go and attack it, they need to save this area. This is a flump that is telling your party about the evil that has been feeding on, realizing your group can defeat them. Now, mind flayers tend to be the default, but I feel like you could probably go with just about anything that your party could face. Because again, while they feed on psionic energy, they also can be found, at least Gordon Fivey, next to Abolus, Githyanki, and Githzere. Which Githyanki and Githzere are kind of your um, otherworldly elves, so to speak. <laughs> they have a weird history because everything's kind of being rewritten with Fivey. But you can play around a little bit with some other creatures, Isonic, or even if you don't have a Sonic creature, your party you think would be interested in fighting or could fight, you could take something a bit lower level that just has some magic to it and just reskin it a little bit if you wanted to. Because the flumps technically can't feed off your party, they can't just live near town for a food source. But you could play around with some monsters that you could kind of add an ability to. Another scenario idea is a little bit more malevolent, I guess, that your party is being sent on a quest to actually capture a flump. You're going to the Underdark specifically. That's kind of where these guys tend to hang out the most. And you have been tasked with bringing one back for study. As your client has decided he wants to study this, he, so he tells you what he's actually hoping to do is to replicate their ability to feed off mental energy and speak telepathically. He is basically trying to find a way to survive the way that these creatures supposedly do. Your party may or may not be aware of his true intentions, depending upon how good your party is or how much you want to put a moral dilemma in there. But they will basically need to be told by the flump whether it wants to come back with them or not, and they may have to convince it. So your party has to figure out how to not only capture a flump, which is very difficult because... They're sneaky and also can sense you coming. They may need to convince it, and depending upon what they know, they may or may not be able to lie convincingly, because again, it can read their thoughts. And they have to make sure you bring it back alive. And again, these things only have seven hit points. So if your party is really powerful, this is actually a fun twist on a combat, because rather than doing damage, you're trying to hold it still long enough to capture it. Now, they don't have any actual magic. So you can, in theory, trap it, knock it prone, and it basically can be stuck. So capturing it is possible, but your party will have to make sure, again, they don't out-and-out kill it. Because if they do, every member in its colony is going to know, and they're going to start running. So that is going to be a fun little twist on how you can set it up. The third option is your party can actually have a Sonic character in it. Because there is an option with some of the older d roll sets as well as I think 5th edition has the Sonic Warrior now for a fighter subclass, I believe. And they notice that there is a glowing light in the distance that's been following them. And they've been traveling through an area that is known to have Kathinki in it. You could have this be a veil 
between worlds that maybe there is another plane that they commonly come over from. Maybe this is just a territory that these creatures live in, whatever you want to say. And so they're a little bit unsure because there's just been light that's following it and it's been changing constantly. This is much more of a social encounter rather than combat or request because really it's just this fault has found a good asonic being and it's just following it for food. Which if you wanted to, you could have the flump join a party. The flump could go somewhere else. Maybe if your character is from a town, maybe you can send people send the flump there and the flump can go and hang out with people again they have a lot of knowledge they can bring a lot to the group or if you send them to a society they can basically advance your society by a decade just from walking in the tower floating (laughs) into town so to speak so that is a couple ideas for the flump um another fun fact i didn't mention their name comes from the faint noise they use to propel themselves through the air (laughs) so if you are a DM that really likes to make sound effects, this is a fun character to play. And our next monster is the Formorian. Now, there is a Formian and a Formorian. The Formorians are the giants that are basically Feywild-based giants that have been twisted because they decided to go to war with the elves in the Feywild. Um, if you do look up Formians, they are basically giant ants, by the way, so... Fun, fun stuff for Fori. <laughs> but Fremorians were formerly a beautiful and powerful race of giants. Now they live underground in the Feywild, by the way. So they are underdark Feywild creatures for the most part. And their appearance is described as matching the wickedness of their hearts. A lot of beings do remember supposedly when they were beautiful. So there is possibly some history there you could have with that. The deformities that they have makes it very difficult to match skills with other giants because they kind of have just an arrangement of limbs. Every picture I've seen basically looks like the Hunchback of Notre Dame with a whole lot of other stuff thrown into it. They're not pretty to look at. <laughs> but because of all these weird features, they do have keen abilities. So your ears being offset, I guess, gives you super hearing is the idea with it. They typically live, again, in the Underdark of the Feywild, although you can find a mention about anywhere you want to place them. They usually have slaves that they'll keep on hand that they use to feed them through maintaining livestock and just capturing other beings, or they decide to eat them when they're of no other use. Their society is very much strongest rule, so they will often get into combat with each other to take over. The magic that they still have is the most interesting part of them for most people, and this is the evil eye. What the evil eye does is it curses a creature that fails a saving throw against this ability with deformities. Now, there is no end to this. You just are making saves to try to get rid of this ability. So, in theory, if your players go against the Fomorian, one of them is cursed with the evil eye, they are just stuck with being deformed until they roll high enough or get to a cleric who can remove it. So, you as a DM get a lot of fun describing how this high elf all of a sudden looks like an ogre, just smaller. So you get a lot of fun with that. Now, these creatures actually do exist in older editions. The flump I was not able to find, unfortunately, in my books. But for the Fomorians in 3.5, they actually describe the women and children as being treated as slaves. So very much a patriarchal society. And again, violence is very common, including permanent injury. So having a Fomorian not only deformed, but missing limbs, missing an eye, missing an ear that you could tell was there at one point would not be uncommon. 3.5 also offers them as a playable race. Now, I love 3.5 for this because it'll tell you how to play them as a race for a lot of creatures, which is really fun. 
So your players could possibly be meeting someone who's dropping in for a little bit who is playing a Fomorian. Um, they can use allies. They just don't like to because, again, they are giants and very mean, but they can. Um, the other thing with past editions is in fourth edition, they are very good craftsmen. They actually use Cyclops in order to make castles underground. So not only do they live underground with slaves, they are making basically an empire underneath. They're oftentimes related to uh, Grumsh, which is a Cyclops deity, and they are natural enemies to the elves. Again, Baywall lore. So there's a lot of fun stuff in past editions that kind of builds on top of the 5e lore that you get that makes it really good for playing scenarios. Speaking of scenarios, first option with the Fomorians is your party is an Neanderdark, and they come across a road decaying corpses. Some of them, in fact, giant-sized. Um, you can describe these at varying levels of decay or deformities that you'd like. And they find that there is a rumor of a monster now living here that once was a very popular cave to visit. Oh, I apologize. This is not dinner dark. I, that was a different scenario. <laughs> this one is just a random cave in the middle of nowhere. Go with that. But this cave is very popular for either travelers to stop in and a local area to go hang out in, teenagers, whatever you want it to be. And now there was a bunch of corpses there. And your party is tasked figuring out what has moved in. This would be your Fomorian that has made this place its home. These corpses are basically it marking its territory. And you can decide male or female. It probably doesn't matter too much, even though there is kind of lore that leans more towards the most likely option you run into as a male. Either way, I think works fine. But this guy will either try to kill the venture party for coming in, capture them to use as slaves, or he's going to try to expand because this is an affront to him. So you get a kind of a basic combat there. It's not really anything super complicated, but your party may not know going into it what it is until one of them is cursed with the evil eye and all of a sudden you go back to town and you look hideous. The next scenario idea is you have a cleric in your party or they are familiar with a cleric who is summoned to a town because there are a lot of deformities popping up. People are coming back from hunting, coming back from you know trips, and they look hideous. No one knows what's causing this. Your party is tasked with figuring it out, trying to find a cure. Eventually, people might become undeformed. They might stay that way. For NPCs, what I would do, rather than rolling a bunch to see if they can be cured, I would just say, after like 10 days, it's permanent, and just call it good for them. That you need something really powerful magic-wise in order to cure them. Just to make it a little bit more interesting. And you can even use that for your players as well. If after 10 days, they've not managed to make the save, they're just kind of stuck in that state without a greater restoration or even a wish spell. But your party will have to go find the Fomorian. They will have probably vague descriptions from the people who've encountered it. So they might think it's a giant of some kind, but the evil eye thing might throw them off. If you have anyone familiar with giants, I would just give them that knowledge up front. Which means your party goes into it knowing that, so they can kind of avoid the evil eye, but it's still going to be a threat. Now, obviously killing the Fomorian does not reverse all of its effects. So just because you killed it doesn't mean people are cured. But you can at least prevent it from becoming more and more of an issue. The last scenario option for the Fomorian is <laughs> another possible player one. So your party is actually captured by them. So your party is currently serving as slaves and servants to a Fomorian. And this Fomorian is planning on using your players because they're adventurers to attack one of his enemies. So it's not just, hey, go keep my sheep in control. It's no, you're going to go and kill this guy for me. That's what you're doing. If you wanted to, you could even have this Fomorian being played, again, by a player. 
and it's actually directing a party. So this definitely works really well for one shot because you can make kind of throwaway characters a little bit and death isn't as big a deal because you're from Orient hanging back saying, hey, go do this. And you have to figure out how do you convince your party to do stuff. So that is the Fomorian. Again, if you want to look at photos of them, in all the versions I found, they look horrible. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. <laughs> Our last one is a little bit of an odd one, but this is one I, I kind of like the idea of more. It's actually a fungi. Now, in 3.5, there is a fungus description in the book. You have a shrieker and a violent violet. I'm sure this is violet fungus, not violent fungus like I thought it did. But you do have those in 3.5. They're described. They're giant fungus. They run around. They scream and or attack people as per the name. One of them is purple as well. <laughs> but the one I wanted to focus on is actually one in the 5th edition book called the Gaspor. The fungi in general tend to be in underdark or in subterranean areas because they don't need sunlight. They feed on decaying corpses, you know, standard fungi stuff. But the Gaspor is described as a balloon-like spear. That is a hollow shell filled with gas that allows it to float around. So it's kind of just a little puffball. The first of these was thought to be spawned from dead beholders, which had magic that changed the fungus to make it into this gas spore, which is very fun because they do not have any vision. They are a fungus, but they look from a distance like a beholder because of this, including having a fake eye in the center that can trick people into thinking it's a beholder. So this is a very deceptive looking creature. Now, I do say creature. It has intelligence of one, so it's not technically sentient. But from a distance, your party isn't going to know that, which is really fun to play around with. These things, however, are very weak. They're very fragile. Um, they have one hit point, an arm class of five. So if you walked up to it and blew too hard on it, it would just break in pieces. You don't want to do that, however. Because when these things are pierced, when they are popped, when anything happens to them, they emit a cloud of spores that if a creature breathes them in, becomes a host to. And these spores will kill you within hours. Again, you don't want to touch these things. <laughs> and then when you die, your body spawns more gas spores. And by the way, for size reference, these are large creatures which means they are about 10 feet across. Now, the fun fact with these is because they supposedly respond from beholders, they often carry memories of that beholder corpse. So if a beholder dies, these things spawn, and eventually it just carries on memories. So if you do survive breathing in the spores, or I'd say if you breathe them in anyway, you might get fragments of these memories and any information that can be provided from them. So... There's a risk reward there. If your players know what these things are, they might go, hey, get ready with like a cure wounds on me and like a remove poison condition. And I'm going to go and poke it and breathe it in and see if I can find anything out. If your party really wants to risk it or they might just say, we're just going to have the wizard do fireball and just not, not mess with it. So this one I've only got two ideas for it. Then they're very simple. It's more of a terrain hazard than an actual creature to fight. But your party, as one scenario idea, could be actually tracking a beholder layer. Maybe through rumors, maybe they just know there was a beholder in the area once they found it in a book. And they see, floating in the distance, looks to be a spear with an eye in it and some little tiny stalks. But they're not quite sure what it is. At this point, your party will have to decide how to approach because if it is a beholder, it's going to be very tricky. And your party is going to be so paranoid about traps. 
which is great because here's what you do. You tell them, roll investigate, roll intelligence, roll whatever it needs to check for traps. And you say, you don't see any. And you leave it at that. And they'll be so paranoid the entire time until they get there and realize this is not a hole that we just don't know what it is. So they may not know what to do with it. I would put something there that act as a beholder's layer. So at least some type of gold or something. Maybe it's been pickling over the years. Maybe they actually see like some type of weird maybe bone thing from the beholder. And they see a couple other of these creatures and go, oh, okay, yeah, not what we're looking for. But that's a really fun idea if you have players that are very much in tune to traps and looking for things that are hidden. Because there's nothing hidden. It's very out in the open. They just have no idea to expect it. The other option is your party can be walking through a fungal forest. Specifically a fungus forest. Because in the Underdark you see those a lot. Just because you have mushroom stalks that can get really tall. And having that be just a standard forest they go through environmentally could be really fun in general. While traveling through, though, one of your party turns a corner and accidentally pops a gas spore. At this point, it's very point blank what's going on. Your party's going to have to figure out how to cure them. Depending upon the party's level, and I would put this at a lower level, you have a time clock to get out of here now. And you're going to have to deal with other hazards such as other fungi and other gas spores, including smaller versions of this. Again, the gas spores mature over time. So what I would say is you can have your big one. We can also have smaller ones that are still maturing. So they're not as dangerous because they don't have the same type of spores in them yet. But they're still going to be a problem because your party's going to be paranoid. And breathing in can still make them be poisoned even though it's not going to kill them. So this is a really good one to put your players on a clock. Because now they have to get out with a certain time. They have to find someone to heal their, their party member or he's going down. At best, you might have someone that can keep the body from decomposing with a spell if you have a death or a grave domain cleric. They have spells for that, but otherwise, your party member may or may not be walking that forest with you. And if you wanted to, you could even have other bodies that they find with these little gas spores popping out of, seeing this being basically just almost a feeding ground for these things if they are sentient. So those are some two really fun ideas for the gas spores. Just because, again, it's worth to mess with your players, but it's such a simple concept for a monster that really doesn't do anything until you engage with it. So you kind of have a lot of reign of just describing it from a distance and just seeing what your players want to do. So that has been three more blank monsters. We have the flump, the femorian, and the fungi, specifically gas spore. Again, you can find all these in a 5e. There's a couple of references to at least the Fomorian and older editions as well, if you want to find some different stats that way. These are really fun ones to go through just because I think the Fomorian I've seen a little bit in culture, like pop culture stuff. And the Flump I've only heard about. I've never really read much on it. So these are fun ones for me because they feel really common. At the same time, I don't actually have any stories I can go, yes, they were in that game. Right? They just, there are th things I know about, but I've never really seen them in a game. So I enjoyed getting to come up with ideas for these. That will end our episode. If you have any ideas that you would use with these creatures, let me know. Um, if you have any creatures coming up in later chapters that you think I should cover, be sure to send them to me and I can see what ideas I got. The next chapter is another one that's kind of tricky because with the letter G, you've got gnolls, giants, genies, goblins, get the Yankee, get the Yankee. I'm going to have to try to bounce around and find something a little bit more unique or be really creative, <laughs> unfortunately.
But we will go ahead and end that there, and I will see you in the next episode. Hello! Bob Spuds here on the scene once again reporting for Potato Candy Network. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut tension full truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy.